You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. It's a positive, it's a positive podcast here today, gentlemen. It is a positive podcast. The Red Sox have won another series against the first place team, mind you. But before we get into the series, I have to address the slander. Whoa. Yeah. Suspension? Is this the suspension talk? Yes. I have to address the slander here because it's unfair. It is unfounded. It is unbecoming of the integrity of the sanctity of my relationship with the internet, with my relationship with Pete Blackburn. Uh, So today, Elon Musk took away everyone's blue check that had a blue check. But mine's still still up. I still have a blue check because I have Twitter blue. And I'll explain why. Pete Blackburn tried to come at me and say, you've given Tyler so much grief for paying for Twitter. And then here you are paying for Twitter. My response is as follows. If you paid for Twitter just to get the blue check, like Steve, you're, you're kind of a loser. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why do we have to say something like that? Well, because you are. If you if you no. only paid for Twitter blue just to have the blue check, then that you're kind of a loser for that. But no. well, I can say, you know, I don't want to speak on C's behalf, but it comes with a bevy of features. Right. But he did it for the blue check. And so did you. I, I will be honest. I spoke with Steve today. OK, would you like to share the details of that conversation? We we spoke about what it was like to be arguably the last people standing. Uh, with blue check marks. And, you know, did we possibly make a mistake going down this road where now nobody has really blue check marks and we stand out yeah. as people with them? Because it's, cl- you know, it's clear we paid. Um, but I think we came to a middle ground where it was if Jared Carabas has paid for it, it's okay because we're all the same now. We're all well, in no. the same group. So you're a loser like us. No, you guys are both losers because you paid for a blue check. I got my blue check in 2015. If you actually already had a blue check. So here's why I'll explain why, because it's not a bullshit reason. I don't care. Like, I actually looked because Pete tweeted me and he was like, there's a feature where you can remove it. I started Googling. I was like, where the fuck's the feature to remove it? Because now I got. Yeah, I got all these people like tweeting at me being like, oh, you loser. You paid for Twitter. I'm like, bitch, I've had a blue check for like eight years. What are you talking about? So. They sent out that notification being like, we're removing the two-factor authentication to, sign, to, to, to protect your account unless you get Twitter blue. Then I'm looking into it. There's all these other apps. You pay like $100 for the app to like protect your account. I was like, why wouldn't I just do Twitter blue to keep that feature for cheaper than to pay $100 for this app to whatever? Because like, I, no offense, Tyler, I am at a much higher risk for someone to hack my account than you are. No, it's people, a danger. It's a real danger for someone like you. Right. Like people will try to guess your password. They'll fucking hack your account. 
at least with like the authentication, it's like you need like a like a you need you basically need my cell phone. Like it texts you a code and all that shit. So I was like, all right. And that's when I got Twitter blue was when they took away the extra security. I was like, all right, whatever. Eight bucks a month to keep my account secure. Fine. No big deal. And but you and Steve paid for the blue check. You guys are the losers. I am at high risk. No one wants Steve's account. No one wants your account. That's that. Why? Why do you have to go that far? I think some people would like my account. Jake, does anyone want Tyler's account? There's someone. There's someone. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody wants your account. You don't think anyone's ever been like, oh, let me try to guess Tyler's password. What could he never, come up with? Never, not once. But as someone who has had hack attempts, like there is all kinds of crazy shit that have happened to my accounts, people trying to get in. So, yeah, I, I pay the eight bucks a month for the the uh, the security of it. But the people that are coming at me today, I was some some dude was dead serious tweeting me. He said. He's like, I like your content, but the blue check is where I draw the line. I'm unfollowed. And he did. All right, dude, if it matters that much to you, and I'm going to throw the same people in who feel the need to tweet like the meme with the verification. That is just as lame if you tweet that as someone as having the verified, the fake verified check mark. I'm just I'm I don't understand why people care so much. Like eight bucks is basically a, a coffee at Starbucks. Like, why are you so concerned about what I do with my eight dollars? Not wrong. Where I will also back you up, Jared, is you didn't do this today like out of panic or anything. No, you weren't like, like, oh crap, my verification's gonna like disappear today with everyone else. I don't give a you fuck. reached I'm out to, to me. Remove it. Yeah, we spoke what more than a month ago where you were having an issue when you were signing up and we were talking it through. And you know, that was before any of this happened. That right. was just in terms of, you know, setting your account up so that you were good to go so nobody could hack you. Correct. That was before I think they announced that they were taking away blue checks from people that didn't pay. Like, I just I think you're right. Yeah. Like, I didn't fucking know that they were going to do that. Uh, I will. I I will say shout out to Pete, because I do feel like this is a W for me or maybe half of a W because we are we are somewhat on the same plane. Even if it's a little adjacent, we all are part of the same family. We are Twitter blue. We stand together. I don't stand with you guys. You're are you part of Twitter blue? I'm trying not to. I'm trying to get rid of the blue check. I don't want even it. if you get rid of it. Everyone who's listening right now, just like they know the lies you've spread in other podcasts. They know mm-hmm. they know what the reality is. You, me, Steve. No, the three. No, we're together. You know like, we're you know hanging like, out arms around each other. We're, like, we're blowing uh, it up. It's like going to Disney. And as an adult, I want to go to Epcot to try the different beers around the world. But you want to go to ride the teacups like we are not the same. But who doesn't want to ride the teacups when they go to Disney? It's like a classic part of the whole thing. I don't. You don't want to go on the teacups? Nope. Fucking loser. You're a loser. You pay Jake. for Twitter. <laughs> so do you. Fuck you. Jake, Jake, if you went to Disneyland right now, I'm not saying the teacups would be the first thing you would go on, but you'd, you'd stop by at some point, right? No, I'm not a child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whoa. Jake. So That's children have Twitter blue. That's what you're telling me. No, losers. Children and losers? I guess. I mean, if you if you really did get Twitter blue for the features, then yeah. But like, I feel like people are going to say that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, no, I like that. I can tweet longer videos. What fucking five minute videos are you tweeting, dude? Yeah, there's very few. That, that is a hard sell. The only thing I'll give somewhat points for, and I think it's your least favorite feature is as someone who often has mistakes in their tweets and like has to delete it once and repost mm-hmm. it. Um, the undo thing where you yeah. can you get the 30 seconds or whatever. That's great. Elon, your fucking edit button doesn't work at all. It is completely broken. Yeah. I have not been able to edit a tweet in months also, or weeks, I should probably say. 
I'll say this about Twitter Blue because I was curious. I was like, I, there has to be an incentive, like visibility wise, that your tweets pop up on the for you more. And I asked someone that has a larger account. I was like, hey, uh, I noticed that you have Twitter Blue. Is there a benefit? And she was like, yeah, like I get way more visibility. And as someone who makes their living on Twitter, yes, I would like more visibility. It's an app that I use every day, multiple times a day. So it has nothing to do with the blue check. You can take your blue check and shove it up your ass. It's more just I use this for work. And uh, if I can protect my account and make my content more visible by paying $8, then sign me up, Elon. Hand up. Yeah, it's, it's never about the check mark. People who are about that are low and you know mm-hmm. shallow and yeah. don't have their eyes on the right thing. Right. So uh, I'm happy to be part of this uh, self-righteous group that really understands the important parts yeah. of the game. Yeah. You know what else I'm trying to understand? Talk to me. How the fucking Red Sox are ever going to lose another yeah. game, Tyler? How is this team going to lose another fucking game? We're scoring 11 fucking runs against first place teams. We got Tanner Tanner Houck is supposed to be in the bullpen. He might be our best starting pitcher. Seven innings. back from the fucking dead. 11 11 strikeouts. 11. Count them up. One more time. Again. Double digits. It's the best start for Chris Sale since 2019. Tyler Milliken wasn't even invented back then. Chris Sale is the best that he's ever been during Tyler Milliken's professional fucking career. That's insane. The Red Sox (laughs) take a series from a first place fucking team, Tyler. That's crazy. That's crazy. I know that Jake and I, listen, Jake and I predicted a sweep and uh, it didn't work out in the middle game. That was kind of a blowout, but like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Nobody else picked. Yeah, nobody picked two out of three on here anyways. You did all right. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Hand up. I did. And so did Cole. You know what? You were due for a dub. You you were due for a dub. I think there's been, you know, knock on wood here. There's been some karma coming my way recently. You think so? A little bit. I don't I don't want to ruin it, so I don't want to speak too much on it. But uh, clearly the universe might agree with your loser claim and is trying to trying to turn me into Tyler Willikin. <laughs> Tyler. I'm about to take Willikin. the meanest L in the next 72 hours. It's going to be yeah, all please. time that I can feel it. Please do not. Don't taunt the universe because you don't have the bullets to go toe to toe with that that power i don't head uh, don't. head down i'm walking forward oh man um i think usually usually i think when the red sox win a series and they win that last game we usually start with that last game because it's fresh in our minds and you're usually feeling good about that win red sox win 11 to 5 in the series finale tanner Houck was outstanding but I think that we would kind of, I think we would, we would be missing the mark if we didn't start with the series opener in Chris Sale. I think we would do it. We would be doing a great disservice to our listeners if we didn't start there. So hold that thought real quick, because if you bet the over on 10 plus strikeouts for Chris Sale against the Minnesota Twins, that would have been cash money dollars. The baseball season's in full swing, whether you're rooting for the home team or betting on your favorite player like Chris Sale, maybe. DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered for all this season's action. And right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, everyone can hit one out of the park with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your winnings with each leg 
you add up to 100%. I had a, I had a same game parlay in the, I believe, yesterday, the middle game. So not a great one. But I did say that uh, Joe Ryan was going to give up more than three hits for the first time in a start. I was correct. <clears throat> I, I, I try to keep it going for Doogie. I mean, Doogie went off in every game that I didn't bet on him. So that was tough. And then I had no runs in the first inning and Corey Kluber did not understand the assignment. So that was that was a bust for me. Join the big league action right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app and sign up with the promo code Carabas, C-A-R-R-A-B-I-S. New customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line and get $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Carabas. Um, so back to the series opener. Chris Sales out there. And I will say, I was very down on sale. Not that I didn't believe that he could figure it out. Not that I, I never used the word washed. I didn't say he was done. I didn't say he was cooked. I was just concerned because of that, that post game that I keep referencing where he comes out and says, listen, if I knew what was wrong, I would fix it. I don't know what to attack here. I don't like, we don't really know what's going on. So if I could fix it, I would. That was concerning to me going into this start against the Minnesota Twins. Then he goes out there. and Oh, and uh, Red Sox stats, I believe it was, had the tweet that his fastball was the worst pitch in, in Major League Baseball. It was like a 750 weighted on base average or something like that. It, it was that in a sinker. They were getting absolutely crushed constantly, and it was because poor command. Yeah, very poor command. And then uh, I tune into the game on Nesson, and... Nesson had a graphic, a visual graphic showing the uh, horizontal break and the vertical break on his slider this year compared to, I believe it was 2019, maybe or 2018. And it was not the same at all. Like it was just down like four inches or something, right? Yeah, it was uh, not the same effectiveness that we're accustomed to seeing from Chris Sale. So, I mean, you it was it was a multitude of issues because when you hear Chris Sale say, I don't know what's wrong. Uh, then you're you're reading the radar gun, you know, on the surface, you're like, oh, 95, 96. Like, that's Chris Sale. Sure. But the location was terrible. Uh, the slider did not have the same break. So it wasn't just one issue. It was like, you're, we're not talking about Eddie Rodriguez tipping his pitches. Like, we're not talking about one thing where it's like, oh, I saw a film and now he can correct it. It wasn't that. It was It was a couple of things. And I, I was on with Maz last night. I feel like that is a, a theme on the Thursday episodes where I'm like, oh, this is what I talked about with Maz last night. But Maz brought up the point about the Minnesota Twins not necessarily being the greatest offense and oh. a lot of swing and miss and this and that. And I was like, Tony, you're Look talking at the about, friggin' names, dude. Look at the names that, in that lineup. Yes. You want to act like it's some friggin' garbage not lineup. The dude, no. And if we're keeping it a buck, dude, we watched him pitch against the Tigers. He gave up three runs in five innings and we were like, okay, we'll take that. The Tigers do that. Like the A's, they're not a professional baseball team. I'm sorry to go against a twins team. That is, it was in first place that, you know, they were pitching great. They're 25th in runs. It's because guys aren't performing on that roster. Uh, it's just, they've gone to a slow start offensively to act like Chris sale was facing a bunch of jokes and got lucky. Dude, you don't strike out 11 against anyone just getting lucky. I'm sorry. Say it. Chris Sale fucking no, no, showed up. No, no, say it. Say to what? Tony, to Tony. You're wrong. No, no, no. Say it. Say what? Spare me. 
Oh, spare me. Yeah, I'll drop yeah. a spare me on him. Thank you. Um, but that's it. And, you know, Maz has kind of followed that theory recently with the Angels series, just not giving the Red Sox credit for what it was. How about maintaining 96 in the sixth inning? You're telling yeah. me you want to talk about a pitcher whose command is Ben Spotty. And listen, he lost it for a little bit in the fifth inning. We saw it was a walk, a hit by pitch, get screwed over on the bunt. Pitchers with poor command absolutely shit the bed in that spot. That's where you see it all kind of unravel. And then before you know it, it's a four and two thirds start with three or four runs. No, he gets out of it by giving up just one run. That's what you're looking for there. And you're saying all these things, Jared, like the work he was doing and sales said it. He's never worked off a mound so much in between starts. Well, just from a you know mechanical standpoint, we see the difference usage. He almost completely cut out a sinker. So you're watching a guy in Chris Sale evolve as a pitcher. Someone who has not pitched consistently in years is kind of learning where he is at this point, how he's going to get guys out. It's a different ball game than even, you know, in 2021 when he was starting somewhat consistently, but he was a two pitch pitcher then it it was fastball slider. Now we're seeing the changeup play up and it looks as good as it has ever, you know, at least going back to pre Tommy John, you're telling me now the slider's working, the velo's 96 in the sixth inning and it's April 20th. He's probably not going to really hit his stride until May or June. There's plenty to get excited about here. And no one's going to go as far and tell you, oh, Chris Sale's the ace. You don't have anything to think about. But if you don't see the positives in that, you're just being negative to be negative. And you're one of those trolls who was saying he was going to have to retire in two weeks or three weeks because he could no longer be a big league pitcher. Jake, what did you think about Chris Sale? It was fucking awesome. Um, (laughs) It's just been a while since, since we've seen vintage sale like that. And we've talked about how much help the rotation needs to start the season. And like, if we can get that sale for the rest of the year, that's massive. Yeah. I mean, I listen, I'm not banking on it every time out. Uh, I'm not expecting Cy Young votes for Chris sale this year, but seeing that was really fucking cool. And hearing Alex Cora, and this is what I tweeted after the game, Alex Cora talking about Chris sale, the person and, I think that we by now we know Chris Sale, at least on the surface level, as a human being, like we know, like his his DNA, his MO. We know that he's an accountable guy. He's not going to make excuses and he's not going to let you behind the curtain very much, if at all. So I think that there's a lot more to the Chris Sale comeback story that we just have no idea about. But when you listen to Alex Cora talk about it, I think you can kind of get more of an idea of how much of a struggle it was for sale to not only get back, but all the setbacks that he's had and the trials and tribulations of once you're healthy enough to get on the mound, like we're talking about four starts here, but you're talking about uh, a guy that has had to struggle uh, not just to get back, but once you are back still fighting to, to get back to the Chris sale that he was, uh, you know, in 20, 17, 18, 19, like that, that's a, it's a long time. That's a long time to be sitting alone with your, with your thoughts, wondering like, am I the same guy? Like, can I be the same guy? Uh, and then you get out there. That's going to be the loneliest feeling in the world to be on the sidelines for that long to have not, it's not, and it's not just one injury that sidelined you. It was the Tommy John. It was the comebacker. It was the falling off the bike, quote unquote. It was all of that. And and then didn't you have like the broken fucking rib just from throwing a baseball? Wasn't that another thing, too? Yeah, just because he cared so much and he was so 
you know, set on after 2021 and getting lit up in the playoffs. He's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes so that I can be that guy to start 2022. I want to make up for it because I realize the majority of the fan base, you know, has turned on me. I realize I haven't lived up to any of this contract so far. Dude gets hurt pushing himself and pushing himself. It's Mm -hmm. just nothing is more annoying to me than people like you could say what you want about him not living up to that contract. It is what it is. He's been hurt. But for the character stuff, man, like, I don't know if you're not paying attention, if you didn't know who Chris Sale was. And he's been he was here doing his thing for years before the injuries. So you should know there's not an excuse, but he's one of the greatest pitchers of his generation. One of the most competitive guys I've ever seen on a baseball field in general. He has talked about it. He lost his identity. He didn't know who Chris Sale was anymore when he couldn't play baseball. And that's what he told us. What were those conversations, like you said, behind the scenes that never got out the day after he fell off the bike or when his finger got snapped? Can you imagine going down to talk to Chris Sale that day and and what he must have felt like there? He was sitting there like emotional, throwing bullpens this spring and spending time with his family just to be able to get back. Like, did you think Chris Sale was just going to show up and immediately be this ace and kill it and do all this? Who who can you expect that from? Years yep. of a layoff. It takes time. And that's why the ingredients are there. How consistently he can put them all together and bake what he needs to be this kind of pitcher. We'll see. But for all you people that want to act like this guy doesn't care or that he's some fraud and all this, you know, accountability stuff like he said the right thing every damn time. He, he has held himself to the higher standard taking it right on the chin. What more do you want from this guy? How can you not be happy for him after seeing that outing? This is, this is a comparison on a smaller scale, but I grew up watching Albert Pujols with the St. Louis Cardinals, just being an absolute offensive machine, like an all-time offensive great. And then he goes to the Angels and sucks for like 10 years. And... There were younger fans that kind of only remembered him as Angels Pujols. So it was really cool at the end when he goes back to St. Louis and just absolutely goes off and hits 700. And, you know, he has the the fairy tale storybook ending like that was great. But now I'm sitting here thinking, right, when I was when 2004 happened, I was 16. And like, I'm thinking back, like. Chris Sale struck out, what, 300-something batters in 2017, his first season with the Red Sox. If you're a young fan and you're 16, you were 10 when that happened. You don't remember that shit. So there's got to be, like, these younger, like, teenage fans that are getting into the Red Sox and, like, they're discovering their passion for the first time. And, like, they're I love this shit. But the Chris Sale that they know is not the Chris Sale that we know. And, and that's, that's a crazy thought to think about. Um, it's the Chris sale that has the highest all time K per nine, 11.1. Go look on his B ref page right now. It's gold. That's a gold 11.1. That's who Chris sale was for all these years before the injury. You know, he's, we'll see where he is at this point, but he struck out 11. He just struck out 11 guys. That's who Chris sale was. The guy who finished top six in MVP voting every year from 2012 to 2017. Mm hmm. Or 2018, excuse me. And why? Because he didn't win one. He never actually got, you know, first place. Put some fucking respect on this guy. I've never seen so much disrespect for one of the greatest pitchers of the last, you know, of the century of 2000 on of all time. Chris Sale, if he, you know, we'll see how it plays out over the coming years. But from a number standpoint, like if he had to call it a career today, I'm voting him a Hall of Famer for what his peak was. There is not many pitchers that ever came close to being that dominant. Mm hmm. 
But I, I I'm not saying that I don't understand the fans' frustrations because all of this poor performance, or not even poor performance, because he hasn't really even been out there, has happened during the contract extension. And that's another thing that like you can't really blame him for. Like Dave Dabrowski puts all this money in front of you. What are you going to do? Say no? I want to go to free agency and I want to earn it. Like I, you know. And nobody gonna, was crying it. Who? Was if pumped. you can, dude, we were pumped. thrilled. Yeah. You're like, oh my god, you have one of the greatest pitchers of all time under contract for the next five years. We have, you know, no disrespect to David Price, but you didn't get to enjoy him being an ace. Like Chris mm-hmm. Sale was like, holy shit, we have the ace. Like this guy is going to be our, you know, the closest thing you could compare it to Pedro days. Like, mm-hmm. that's what sale day was during that era before all this happened. Yeah. But I'm just I'm just glad. But to bring it back to the point about what Alex Cora was talking about after the start, like you could tell uh, that he was much more privy to the behind the scenes struggle to get to this point than most, if any. Uh, so he was talking about that, you know, like this is like that. It, it kind of goes back to like the opening day thing. Like he's healthy. Like we just want him to enjoy opening day, because what if? What if like, you know, the start that he had, he started game number two and he was he was terrible. He said it was the most embarrassed he's ever been on a field. Like, what if that was on opening day? Like, I, 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 don't, I hate to speculate, but reading between the lines, it sounds like and, and it would be totally understandable if this were the case. Sounds like Chris Sale was like struggling a lot, like mentally. And why wouldn't he like you are a dominant Hall of Fame talent that has if, if 10 is the scale, he's a 500 on the compete scale. Like, this is what he does. And to have that taken away from you, like, guys go nuts when they have to sit on the sidelines for half a season. This guy had to sit on the sidelines for years, years, waiting to be healthy again, to get back out there and compete. And then when you get back out there, you're, you're not yourself. You have, now you have to keep fighting to get back to where you were. Or you have to have that conversation with yourself I may never be this guy again. So who am I now? Like now you're having an identity crisis. If I'm not the guy that can just blow fastballs by everyone and throw sliders in the fucking other batter's box and have guys swing and miss at it, who am I? I have to now reinvent myself. Like it was, it was a struggle to get back. It was a struggle to get healthy, get on the field. And now I have to reinvent myself as a pitcher. Some guys can do that. Some guys can't. Like CeCe Sabathia, he had to reinvent himself at the big league level. Like he was throwing 97, blowing guys away, throwing sliders. Towards the end of his career, he had to reinvent himself. And he did because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like that's that's the difference. And I do believe that Chris Sale will be able to do that. But we're not even at that point. Like it's more just command because it's not like Chris Sale is going out there with 91 trying to figure it out. Clayton Kershaw, another guy where he's not blowing guys away anymore, but he locates and he, he he's a master of pitch sequences. He's a master of deception and he's a pitcher. So. Yes, I believe that Chris Sale will get back to a point like, again, to what we said earlier, I don't think he's going to be striking out 11 every single night. Like, I don't think he's going to be that, but he can be much better than what he was in the first three starts. And in the Detroit start, we've talked about that, like the, the box score looks just fine. It's not it wasn't what we're accustomed to seeing from Chris Sale. It wasn't dominant. Like he had to stuff punch was down, five. arguably. Yeah, like it wasn't it wasn't Chris Sale. It was good enough happy with it fine got the win great but this series opener against the twins that was chris sale like that was chris sale and you saw it with every pitch just the confidence like you're watching a guy become himself again Mm -hmm. like a lot of people go through you know you you find yourself whatever it is just as he worked through that start and i don't know the way i look at it is 
no, it's not saying Chris Sale is going to be an ace, but for anyone who ever had doubts he could be a competent pitcher again, he showed you. He's going to be competent. He's going to be able to get by. We'll see what the ceiling ends up being up until that point. But I do think an interesting part of it was, you know, if we're looking for and kind of breaking down what made this happen, what kind of cracked through, Connor Wong behind the plate, being back there, seemed very comfortable working with him. Now we go back to Chris Sale. How much did he love working with Sandy Leone? Like that was his guy. You know, we saw the comfort. No disrespect to Reese. Reese has been swinging it. You know, this might be part of figuring this equation out. It's finding a catcher that works with him. Someone in Connor Wong who Rich Hill has spoke poetically about his receiving skills. Okay, you alter the arsenal. You find a catcher that kind of works. And now you get in this rhythm every fifth day. And I hope, you know, we see another step forward and it just keeps building and building as the year goes along. But Core told us way back in spring training, we're going to be very careful. And Core said it in the post game. He had another inning in him. If they wanted, if it was June 1st right now and they were like, we need this fucking game, Chris Sale's going out there for the seventh inning, but they're keeping him at bay. So this is what it is. It's a buildup. The fact that we're seeing this on April 20th, he's capable of that kind of performance. You have to be hyped. And I, I think even a lot of the doubters were willing to admit on that night, like, all right, I got to give credit to Chris Sale. He is not toast. He, he is not toast. There is real determination and work. I see what a lot of people have been talking about. You just got to yeah. tip your cap. Have to. And, and I think one of the things that people were pointing out on opening day when he got his shit rocked was the human element. He's obviously very happy to be back and to be out there. And I'm sure that there's a lot of emotion and, and sentimental feelings about being out there and performing. But the Chris Sale that I know is a killer. He's a psycho. He's out there and he's heavy breathing and shit. And he needs some guys need that. They need to dig down. They need to like pitch with anger. And that's Chris Sale. So you're out there and you're just happy. You're like, fuck yeah. Like, you know, all the hard work pays off. Like, I'm healthy. I'm ready to start the season for the first time in a long time. And maybe you're a different guy. So then he, you know, you, when you're talking about what do I need to fix, I need to get fucking mad again. I need like the Chris Sale that I know is ready to rip out throats at any given moment. And against Minnesota in this series, He's out there heavy breathing and he's out there looking at hitters like he's ready to kill them, not just strike them out. And that was a that was a point that Maz made was he's like hitters aren't afraid of him anymore. But if I were Byron Buxton or Carlos Correa or whomever, I'm looking at Chris Sale out on that mound and I'm like, oh, fuck, like he's I don't want to say he's back, but that's the old Chris in there. Yeah, it's in there. I I thought it was dead. It's still alive. And that's scary. It doesn't mean it's always going to be there, but it's alive. You did not kill Chris Sale. Chris Sale, there's some as long as there's something there. There's a chance of what we saw that night. Yeah. And that enough should tell you all you need to know about, you know, where your expectations can be as we move forward. There's something to work towards. That guy is still alive. All the shit did not kill him. Mm hmm. It's like the hand out of the grave, like like sticking through like, oh, fuck. It may not be this. It might not be April. It may not be May. But man, once he gets going, he's going to play a big part in the season. And I think that's what the Red Sox are betting on. Clearly, to some degree, you know, all the way. Can they depend on depend on him to be an ace? No, but they I think at this point can say, all right, we're not looking at him like we're looking at a Corey Kluber. No, we're not. No, we're not. 
which brings us to the middle game. No, wait. There, can we, we got we got to hit the end of that game uh, of uh, the first game, the Verdugo walk off. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that was a game, by the way. That I'm not. I don't want to say the Red Sox had no business winning, but I texted you because I was like, I was out to dinner. I was watching it. I made them at the yard house. I made them put the game on the TV, but I couldn't hear it. So I think it was the first inning. They had Sonny Gray on the ropes. A run was already in. Devers is at third and there's one out maybe. Yeah. And, and that's when Yoshida hit that grounder yeah. to second base. Yoshida hits a ground ball to second base. And I'm like, all right, two nothing. Like, that's good. And then they go back and then they show Devers is still on third base. And I was like, did he foul the ball off his foot? Like, why the fuck is Devers still on third? I still and that was not a talking point at all, because like, I eventually came home and I was listening to the broadcast. That was not a talking point the rest of the game about how you know, the Red Sox are it's 2-2 in the eighth and like no mention of this should be a 3-2 ball game. The Red Sox should be winning this game. Like, why do we know? Like, why? No. It was on Twitter, Jared. You I don't know if you, that's where you saw it as well. And you're like, OK, I'm not crazy. But there were a lot of people tweeting that out. Like, what are we doing? Like, that was the second run. Sonny Gray's on the fucking mound. Like, take the chance to get two you're, runs you're in the first inning. You run ERA and you, you have a free <laughs> run. You don't take it. Exactly. And considering what the offense did the day before, and I thought that was the theme the next day in that opener against the Twins. It was you had opportunities, you just couldn't take advantage of them. But yeah. I, I think someone in Kike Hernandez, man, what he, some of that stuff I saw in that game, wow. Like just from a baseball instinct standpoint, Alex Cora has been getting destroyed for fundamentals for this team, kind of being low IQ at times. This year, I think. In the past couple of years, that's been a common theme for these Red Sox. Kike Hernandez going first to third on that Reese McGuire catcher interference. Wow. Like that ended up being a massive play when Duran hit that grounder. You don't go to extras if that's the case. The game ends there. So for Kike to make that read and know if I keep running to third base, like Cora can have the decision. If I'm out at third, I can just go back to second. And that's the end of that play. Gene, that's high IQ baseball. That's what you're we've missed from the Red Sox the last couple of years. And then we see it again in the ninth inning where, hey, you, you swing through a pitch. Kike is not pouting. It's straight to first base. He ends up getting being safe there. Cutter Crawford's at third base at that point. And that <laughs> yeah. kind of sets the stage and, you know, for that whole rally. And Kike props to him overall. Been on fire. Seven game hitting streak. Say what you will. I know the defense has been up and down at times, but he's showing up at the plate right now. I, props to him. There was a lot of criticism. Fair. He's being the Kike Hernandez. I think the Red Sox have been looking for. Hit a homer in this series as well. Yeah, garbage time homer, but it was fucking crushed. 100th career home run for Kike Hernandez in the middle game. Uh, Did you see the video after? Of him? Yeah, he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like the most Kike thing ever, though. Yeah, uh, I, I'm happy. That he's performing well because I think, yeah, you, know, you you read between the lines with Kike, and it's a guy that when he was with the Dodgers was not looked at as an everyday player. Comes to Boston is given the opportunity to play every day. Um, I, I think the Xander Bogarts situation was unforeseen to a lot of people. Uh, he was thrust into a situation that I don't think that he expected to be in. Like, there's no way you sign with the Boston Red Sox the first time expecting to ever be the everyday shortstop. And then when he signed the extension last year during the season, you're not thinking, oh, I'm an insurance policy when it, when Xander Bogarts leaves. You, that's not your thought process either, because at the time you're thinking, all right, well, 
Worst case scenario, if Xander's not here, then Trevor Story's the guy. You lose both of them, and now you've got to stand up there and say, yeah, of course. You're not going to say, I'm not sure. You're going to say, of course I can be the everyday shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and then, of course, you have the, the, the resume. Does he have the resume to be a leader? And Dude's and playing recruiter all offseason. Like, no offense to Kike, but when you have all these big dogs making phone calls, like, yo, come here, come play for us. Kike is getting on the phone and like having to make it work. He gets you, Justin Turner. And like Justin Turner said how much it meant for Kike to kind of lobby and push for what the Red Sox were talking to Kenley like that stuff. Not an easy thing to step into whatsoever. And yeah, he got off to a slow start and there's been errors at shortstop. There's no doubting that. But Kike needs to be close to 2021 Kike. And I feel like that's what we've seen for a week now. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, it's been nice. It's been nice to see him contribute. It's it's really nice to see that double from Christian Arroyo uh, today, even though that was garbage time as well. But that's a dude that needs to get it going. And he knows that. Uh, we saw Valdez debut just for one game, a couple errors, but like a couple hits too. You know, like he looks hitterish. I, yeah. I think that's the thing for him. Like he can swing it. I just, it's a little quick. And I think we all know it is. He, he hasn't lit it up with the Woo Sox, even going back to last year after he came over from Houston this year off to a slow start. It's there. It just give him time. Mm. The defense is going to be the defense is what it is. I, I don't expect that to get considerably better, but for him to show up on his first day and those weren't bloopers. He smoked those balls, mm-hmm. hard hit baseballs. And I think for a lot of people like, oh, you know, they were crying on Twitter this morning that Yu Chang was back. How's that fucking dad strength for you? Mm. Yu Chang. Yeah, like someone had tweeted underneath me because I posted his homer and they're like, oh, nice to post is one of his two hits this year. All right. Yu Chang showed up. Homer. Make it plays a good shortstop. I'll, I'll give him his credit. It was rough at second base in that Tampa series. He's been doing it. Mm-hmm. And it says something that the Red Sox are willing to put Kike at second at times in favor of Yu Chang. I think that's a pretty nice compliment. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they need they need righties. Like, let's face it. The Red Sox need righties. Uh, but one lefty. That stood out big time in this series was Alex Verdugo, who had the walk off uh, off the wall. Did they call it a double? I mean, he reached second base, but it's is that I, technically I think they ruled it a single. Yeah. OK, uh, should have been a double walk off. We're going to call it a walk off double. Uh, I want to say someone had the graphic like since 2001. Verdugo has four walk off hits for the Red Sox. No one else has more than one. I'm trying to. So this was the thing I was doing in my head. This year we have this walk off. Last year Yankees walk off in uh, you know July right before the All Star break. 2021 was the Guardians walk off. Is there one I'm missing? Has to be. Was there a, was there a 2020 walk off that you know probably Alex Verdugo finished 12th in MVP voting. I know I say that a mm. lot, but he did in 2020. That is a he real did. stat. That happened. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's got four walk offs with the Red Sox. No one else has more than one. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it is, uh, the Alex Verdugo breakout season, which a lot of us were talking about before the year started, you know, he has an attitude change. He has a physique change, a training change, and I don't want to say an approach change. Maybe. I mean, like he's not, he's not, not trying to drive the ball, but he is definitely making far more contact. I don't know if you can back that up with any statistical analysis. But it seems to be that he's making far more contact. I got a little bit here. I, I don't know if I'd call it far more contact. Actually, you know what? I got the K rate. He's never been a guy who K'd a ton. He was 92nd percentile last year. Uh, he's 95th percentile. So it has improved. You know, that, that's 3% there. 
Well, there's, definitely, there's a contact rate statistic, no? Oh, yeah. Let me scroll here. Give me one second. Yeah. Dig that shit up, Geek. Excuse me? Alex, I said dig that d- up that sheet. That's, find me the sheet with the statistics on it. Okay. I got you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, but he is a guy. Think about, think about Alex Verdugo when he first got here. No one talks about Mookie Betts anymore, really, with Alex Verdugo. And they will talk about the return. They go, oh, yeah, you only got Alex Verdugo and Connor Wong for Mookie Betts. Like, they'll talk about it in that way. But when he first got here, the conversation was comparing him to Mookie Betts. It would be like, look at Alex Verdugo's statistics, then look at Mookie Betts' statistics. How are you going to replace Mookie Betts? And one of the first things he ever said in front of the Boston media was, I'm not trying to be Mookie Betts. I'm trying to be Alex Verdugo. Um, and for the most part, I think he has been that, like, I think, you know, he's been Alex Verdugo, but the question is, is there something more there? Are you better than what you've been at the big league level? Is there something untapped in there? And that was more so what Alex Cora was talking about at the end of last season. We think you can be a doubles machine. Stop trying to hit so many homers. Uh, like you can be a 40 double guy. Like, let's see that guy. And I think that that he took to that. So we'll we'll see if it continues. But so far, outside of maybe Rafael Devers, Alex Verdugo has been the best player on this team. I think if you're looking for really the guy to compare it to, and Cora says all the time he hates doing it, but it's Andrew Benintendi. And I think you're looking at a guy, no disrespect to Andrew Benintendi, I think the ceiling's higher with someone like Alex Verdugo. And I think we're seeing that right now. Like he's playing an amazing right field. 94th percentile right field. Like, this isn't some guy who's just out there and trying to figure it out. He was below average, at least in terms of defensive metrics last year and left. So for him to make that jump, it's massive. It's just going from the standpoint of, hey, Alex Verdugo, you don't need to try and be this homer guy. You you don't need to be the dude who hits 25 jacks a year like Andrew Benintendi had to figure out. Now, Benintendi got a chance. It didn't really click. He gets hurt. Then he gets traded. Alex Verdugo, Korg stepped in and said, hey, you need to change. He did the work. He changed. And we're seeing the results. You know, so many people were like, you know, trade Verdugo. Let's see what happens this offseason. Aren't you thankful you didn't now? The Red Sox haven't had a dependable leadoff hitter since Mookie Betts. Now, is Verdugo Betts, like you said? No. But is he looking like a fantastic leadoff hitter? Yeah. He's showing all the characteristics you could ask for there. And it, it shows up in all these metrics. He's not chasing anything. He's not, you know, whiff percentage. It's 96 percentile. That's, you know, just in terms of swinging and missing 96 percentile. Never. It's so hard for him at this point to do that. And that's what, you know, I sit here and I start to get really excited about because even last year was 92nd percentile. The things he was good at, he's got even better at and he's cleaning up the parts of his game like the defense, even on the base paths scoring from first base today on that Devers double off the monster Verdugo doesn't do that a year ago. And there's been a couple plays where you can go back this season and he's full speed going and scoring. He's supposed to be a really good base runner. Stop being that supposed to be a really good defender. Stop being that. Now we're seeing at the plate. It's kind of evening out. He's not injured. He doesn't have a toe fracture like he had last year, early in the year. You know, some unlucky uh, moments as we talked about last year where felt like wherever he hit something hard, it landed in a glove. It's just, we're watching a player come together and kind of start to reach his ceiling and, it takes some guys years. He's still 26. He turns 27, I think, next month. Like Xander Bogarts. I'm not saying he's Xander Bogarts, but Xander Bogarts took years to become Xander Bogarts. Development isn't linear. It takes time. Guys get better. 
That's what we're seeing right now. Without looking, do you know what Alex Verdugo is batting this year? I want, what is it, like 350? 338. There you go. It's insane. He leads the Red Sox. So this is minimum 50 plate appearances. So that narrows it down to seven guys. Um, he's hitting 338 to lead the team. He's got a 407 on base percentage, which leads the team. And he has a 481 slug, which is second to only Rafael Devers. All while adjusting to playing a new position regularly and being at the top of the lineup. Yep. Yep. All I'm saying is Andrew Benatendi got five years, 75. If I'm Alex Verdugo, I'm like, the conversation starts there and I'm not signing for that. Right. Yeah, he has the second lowest strikeout percentage on the team. Um, second to Masataka Yoshida. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I'm battling here. What do you mean? The sun's evaded my, invaded my room. <laughs> I look crazy. Well, you you got your dub. Now it's time to catch some L's. Oh, no. Don't say that. Yeah. You deserve it. I wouldn't go that far. I would. Because some beers can say they're brewed for baseball, but only Blue Moon is brewed by baseball. Beer and baseball just go together, and no beer goes better than the one that was literally born in a ballpark. Blue Moon was created at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. It's the natural choice for opening day and all season long. I've never been more grateful to have my fridge stocked full of Blue Moons than when I saw that Tyler Milliken dolphin pick the other day. I mean, what the fuck was that, dude? I honestly don't know what the worst part was for me. I mean, first came the throwing up, then came the crying. Then I just got the chills, man. I couldn't stop shaking. I kept trying to go to sleep, but every time I closed my eyes, I would just see Tyler as a dolphin, and I would immediately have to run to the bathroom to dry heave into the toilet. Thankfully, the good folks over at Blue Moon always make sure we're stocked up and taken care of, so I was able to crack a couple of those Blue Moons and get that disgusting image of Tyler out of my head. With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored, with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one-of-a-kind? Its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a one-of-a-kind beer experience perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color, a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Bring the ballpark to you with Blue Moon Belgian Style Wheat Ale. It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for beer and baseball merch or visit get.bluemoonbeer.com jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly, Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah, so you have the Alex Verdugo walk-off in a game that could have gone either way. I don't want to say the Red Sox should have lost that game, but it's a game that they very easily could have lost. Uh, they should have won that game based on what we were talking about earlier with fucking Devers getting stuck at third base on the, the Masataki Yoshida ground out, which drove me nuts. I mean, it's been driving me nuts that he continues to just hit ground balls. 
But today, Tyler, today, Masataka Yoshida started to uh, do what we've all been screaming at our televisions for him to do. And that is when he gets pitched away, go the other way. Drive the ball to left field, put the ball in the air, stop hitting the ball into the ground, stop grounding out to second base, stop weakly popping up to the infield or to the shallow uh, outfield grass for infielders to catch. Go the other way, put the barrel on the ball, which again, you can sit here and say all that. And it's like, dude, do you know how hard it is to hit at the major league level? Like Duran in that game on uh That wasn't night. even fair. Dude is throwing 99 mile an hour splitters with 102 mile an hour four seam fastballs. And that's that's the that's the clip that you show to anyone that is like baseball's easy. What an easy game. Like, no, no, no. You you go up there and you try to you try to face a guy like that. Not everyone has that. Not many do. But that was a special that was a special inning when I mean you got to see Devers versus Duran. Um and Dur- was, Devers was pissed. There was like what the 102 mile per hour. <laughs> he just blows it by him. And Devers thought he was right on it. Thought he was going to have a walk off in that moment. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen. But I, I, I think with Yoshida in, it felt like the panic hit a pretty high wall. I want to say yesterday. Uh, what was it? Yesterday he ended up sitting. What day? Yeah, he sat yesterday, and everyone started to really be like, "Oh my god." What's going on with him? Core thinks he needs another day to kind of piece it together. But I thought we saw the first sign on uh, Tuesday where he shot that liner to left field. It got caught, but it was like, that's what he needs to do. Keep doing that. Now we're seeing it. And I think it's going to be a little bit of an up and down process. I'm not sitting here telling you like, oh, prepare for Yoshida to be the cleanup guy. And maybe realizing already that he needs to be shooting the ball the other way like this is a little bit of a, all right, we need to change the approach. Maybe there might be an idea that they have to move him from the cleanup spot and he's better suited at a different spot in the lineup, but he's making the adjustments. It's April 20th. We're seeing kind of the, you know, they've kind of changed his hands a little bit. If you look at his mechanics, there has to be more lifting the ball, looking at that monster and making it your best friend. Kind of similar to what we're saying about Alex Verdugo, right? Or similar to what we were saying about Jaron Duran, like, Pretty similar problems that all these players have kind of needed to click into. And the fact that that's what he's struggling with, I kind of feel a little more confident because I've seen the Red Sox hitting coach succeed with that recently. Mm. They have guys going the other way. It just takes a little bit of time for it to click. And it probably isn't even, it's probably even harder when you're coming over from Japan and you're facing stuff and dudes you've never seen before. Correct. Yeah. Not easy. Not an easy feat. Uh, Duran. Oh. Is he a guy? I feel like he might Dude. be a guy. I feel like Duran might be a guy. Listen, I'm ready to get my heart broken. Uh, I'll stand Why? up here. I, I, and I'll be the guy. No, I'm ready. Like, I'm not scared. I'm willing to put it on the line. I'm buying in on Jaron Duran right now. Okay. And I, I see it like three RBI day today. Went one for two with a walk. Kenta Maeda, dude, he, he took him out. You know, hopefully he's okay. But he's smoked not. that ball off his leg. Oh, did it come out that it was bad? Well, he left the game. Can't be okay if you leave the game. True, true. I, I hope it's not broken. He's coming off TJ. But um, that just to see constantly shooting the ball the other way, he's up to four doubles in four games. I'm not going to act like he's the greatest outfielder ever, but has he made any awful mistakes yet? No. He, he's held his own out there. And I see so many people who are already like, I don't care for Duran. I'm not going to fall for it again. This looks a lot different. Even then, you're a lot different, even more different than it looked 
when he came up and hit for that first month last year, it didn't look like this. He no. wasn't driving the ball constantly with these exit velocities and looking like this type of player. It's just there's a different confidence at the plate. And it's hard. You can't really put numbers on it. It's just seeing it. I think TC was talking about it in the pregame or that might have been the postgame. I can't remember, but um, it was about how he's playing. He, he's playing as the player that he is, if you know what I mean. Like he when he first came up, he was doing things that I think he thought the Red Sox wanted him to do versus being the guy that he always was. And that's why he was in the big leagues in the first place, uh, like being aggressive on the base paths. Like some guys, it's like, all right, yeah, I can I can dick around and be aggressive on the base pass in, in Worcester because if I get thrown out, like no one's going to give a shit. If I get thrown out at second base trying to get the extra bag here, then, you know, that's front page news in the paper tomorrow. That's the fans are booing me. And now, like, maybe that affects how the manager sees me. Like a lot of different thoughts can creep into your head as a rookie, as as a young player in this league whose uh, position is not promised or established. And I think that that probably got to him a little bit because his job, I mean, obviously he's, he's a, he's a muscular dude. Like he's got pop and all that, but his main weapon is his speed. And if you can use that to your advantage and be super aggressive and create chaos on the Bates paths, that increases value and say what you want to say about his defense. I haven't had any complaints yet. I I, I don't think he's going to be winning any gold gloves at the big league level anytime soon. But he hasn't been a uh, a negative. Um, he hasn't been a detriment defensively. But I still believe that Jaron Duran can be an everyday player at the big league level. I do. And I think it all comes back to be the guy that you were to get here. And, and we're seeing that. I feel like as someone who's watched Jaron Duran from when he was the soft singles hitter posting high batting averages in the lower minors to what he is now. And he went through that process where it was, it was all pull. It was pull power. And we are selling out on the first fastball I get and hoping it goes 420 and we're not thinking about it. But now it's like the combination. It's like the power will play. Dude, you're fucking jacked. Like you, you don't got to sell out anymore. If you just make contact, as we see, you smoke a ball that would be a homer in a lot of ballparks today high off the monster. It's going to come naturally. Just keep shooting the ball all over. And that's where that speed plays something. The Red Sox don't have or really haven't had. And if that can be something they now add to the lineup, you see how dangerous it can be. Stole a base um, already this year. So he's one one in that department. And he's someone who hasn't been known for having the greatest base running instincts. So the fact that he feels confident to take that leap. And I think part of it is a little bit of the clubhouse in who he hung around during spring training with Alex Verdugo and Christian Arroyo really putting their arms around this guy. He looks comfortable. He doesn't look like there were times last year and he talked about it, obviously. And so did we, where he looked scared. He looked like a deer in headlights. It was just overwhelmed and it blew up on the field. It blew up, you know, to moments where, you know, the top of your grand slam and the ball falls back. He became the face of like everything going wrong with the Red Sox. And for him to come up and have this kind of start, it's a game changer, man. It, it is so big. And in a bridge year like this, let him go. Because if he establishes himself as a regular, that's so big, not only for this year, but for years moving forward with his talent. And look at Kelnick in Seattle. And I, I look, no offense to Jaron Duran, I consider him poor man's Kelnick. And I, I always kind of saw him that way. And Kelnick was one of the best prospects in baseball. Duran was top 30. 
that's what you're seeing. It takes time. It's not always going to pop the first time or even the second time. And that's why Hein Bloom spoke so highly during the spring that we are not giving up on him. We, we think what we're doing right now is going to work. Here we go. Like it's working so far. Will it keep working? I don't know. But he should be out there whenever there's a righty on the mound. There's no excuse. I do not want to see Tapia over him anytime. Well, give me the upside and no offense to Tapia. We know what he is. He's a fourth outfielder, fringy guy on you know the 26-man roster. Duran, there's still everyday regular upside. You need to buy in on that. Mm. Duran's a guy that I want on this podcast. <clears throat> I think uh, that one, that'll be easy. I think we can get him on pretty easy. Uh, he did say that he wants to work out in my basement. So maybe we can get uh, a... Jared and Jaron Milliken bicep workout slash podcast interview. I don't want to make you guys insecure. I, I mean, I'm I'm prepared for that. Thank you. Um, but I don't I feel like that's the kind of guy not even to like walk that route. But if people can know more about him and kind of how he goes about the game and he's seen as like this high character, like clubhouse kind of not clown, but like he gets people going. A little bit like Verdugo. We haven't got to see all that yet. And I think this fan base will fall in love with it as long as he keeps producing, obviously. But just this is the time. It feels like an easier clubhouse, an easier year overall, just to kind of settle in and kind of build a name for yourself. And we're seeing guys do it at different levels like Verdugo, uh, you know, kind of piecing it together. Chris Sale doing it in a different way. A lot of these guys trying to prove something and establish themselves. Jaron Duran just falls in that line. A Josh Winkowski, Garrett Whitlock is a starter. Brian Bayo in his first full season. There's a lot of that across the boards this year. He fits in and he offers something, whether you know, it's 10, 15 home run power. It will create some very interesting conversations, possibly once Duval comes back. And that's what the Red Sox need. They need long term chess pieces. I think Duran's playing himself back into that plan. I think he is, too. And it helps. It helps that Cora identified him as a guy. Um, was that in spring training or was that winter weekend? Uh, he said, I think he mentioned him as a potential leadoff guy in uh, winter weekend. Okay. I thought it was something like uh, when they were talking about center field. Like we, you know, we still believe in Jared Duran type deal. Because I remember Red Sox Twitter melting down about that when he was even considered a possible option of uh, playing center field once it was known that Kike was going to be the shortstop. And then Cora kind of said, well, you know, Jaron Duran, we'd love him to step up and be the center fielder of this Red Sox team. It was before they signed Duvall. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I, I want to go back to Yoshida for a second because of today's game. And seeing the progress there. I, I want to double down that I was never worried about Yoshida. I, I was never I, frustrated was the word. I think if, if you're concerned, I think that that kind of shows like a lack of understanding of who the player is. For me, it was more just frustrated. Like you're talented enough. I've seen it. Why aren't you doing it? Like it, it was it was an approach thing more than a lack of talent thing. Like, I don't think that uh, I'm sure that there were some some fans that were not familiar with his game, so to speak, that were saying, like, this guy's a bust. Like, he's not going to be able to do this at the big league level. This guy sucks. 
I mean, I got it because I tweeted about how, like, please, I'm begging you to stop hitting the ball to second base on the ground. And 95% of the replies were about how he's a bust and how he sucks and how he's not cut out to play in the big leagues. I don't, I never felt that way. And I still obviously don't. It was more just how do we get this guy to change his approach and be the guy that drew so much interest from the Red Sox in the first place? It's not a matter, like, we're not talking about, uh, you know, people want to bring up the, 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 I mean, a lot of pitchers from Japan have had great success coming to the big leagues, but you've had some position players, some hitters come from Japan and not pan out. Uh, I've I seen think, well, Masataka the, Castillo consistently, like all over the time. Oh, that was a big thing on. the last week. Come on. I'm, um, I'm serious. I more than anything, that was probably the biggest, like common slander I saw. That's ridiculous. Uh, but some of the older, like, I don't know, like mid 2000s to like 2015, call it uh, those Japanese hitters to come to the big leagues. Yeah, they're not facing big league type talent. They're not seeing the velocity in Japan that that exists here in the United States. Masaki Yoshida is seeing velocity. Like I, I, There's not a, a super ton of major glaring differences. Uh, when you're talking about plucking a hitter from Japan and then bringing him to the United States, they're not seeing velocities where they're like, what the fuck was that? Like that just doesn't exist. The gap between major league baseball and professional baseball in Japan has dramatically closed in the last call it 10 years, maybe less, but in, in Masataki Yoshida's time playing in Japan has closed. So that's, that's what always kind of drew me to. I'm not concerned. I'm not worried. I'm not having doubts about the player. I'm more just frustrated that it seems like the approach hasn't changed. But today, there was tangible change. I, and I think the other thing is it's the expectation put on him, which is unfair. And I think we'd be the first ones to tell you, asking him to be your cleanup hitter as he makes this adjustment. Part of that is just roster construction. Part of that's injuries and where you're at. But, you know, he's gone out and played through it. He's also dealt with an injury, as we know. You know, had the hamstring kind of tug at him. So, there's a lot of balls up in the air, but if you're, you know, calling a guy a bus, a Rusne Castillo after, you know, 20 games at this point, reel it in a bit. Like the reason, and they have the data that we've seen it. I put the numbers out on my Twitter if you want to go find them, but he hit velocity in Japan. It wasn't like, you know, he faced 95 and he was a disaster. No, he handled it well. That's one of the reasons the Red Sox paid him. It's just, you got to shift some things. You're facing pitchers you've never seen before. It's going to take a little bit of time. And if you didn't think there was going to be adjustment period, I don't know what to tell you. It was awesome that it started with the homer and, you know, he came kind of flying out the gate. But I think even then we were saying, all right, a lot of those ground balls to second base, there's going to need to be some changes that happen. And here we go. This is the start of them. What if I told you that there are only two hitters on the Red Sox who have driven in more runs this season than Masataka Yoshida? Would you believe me? I probably would. have Not off the top of my head. I I probably would have been like, "Uh, no, that seems a little aggressive. Mm hmm. Yeah, there. Kike has one more RBI than Yoshida, and then Devers has ten more. Devers has driven in eighteen runs, then Kike with nine, and then Verdugo and Yoshida are tied with eight. In in the other thing, I'll throw in on top of that, he's played fewer games. Masataki Yoshida has driven in eight runs in fourteen games. Verdugo has driven in eight runs in twenty games. Nine runs in 20 games for Kike. So 
I do think that's a little misleading. Now, Kike has been hitting five a lot, so he's getting more opportunities. But Yoshida has been getting like Verdugo's at the top of the lineup. So, you know, Yoshida at four, he's going to get Alex Verdugo, who's on base all the time. He's going to get Devers, right? Turner. He's kind of having the chance to capitalize. I'd also say for probably the last five or six days, I think all of us tweeted out at one point. A lot of big moments for Yoshida. I think you you responded to one of those tweets. and was like, come on, we need that hit. Um, so yeah, he's, there, there's he's had work a lot to do. of opportunities, but if off the top of your head, has he come through in them? Um, early in the year, yes. Recently, not as much. But today he did, and and that's what stood out today. I think it was like, all right, he's delivering the big hit a couple different times. That's what you need. And the plate approach hasn't fallen off. That's the biggest indicator. It's 97th percentile K percentage, 81st percentile walk percentage, 72nd percentile whiff percentage, and 82nd percentile chase rate. When a hitter shits the bed and it all goes out the window and they're lost, that would be the thing that falls and plummets and you're like, oh shit. No, he, he's just kind of redirecting how he's putting the barrel on the ball. That's really what's happening right now. Give it time. You know, everyone said Kike was never going to hit. He sucked. It was all after a week of the season. He starts hitting, right? Like, give these guys time. I think Pete Fodd say, like, whatever he's doing to get these guys to go to the opposite field, there's a trend of it working. It excites me. It makes me feel good. Do we hit the one uh, negative? The one negative. Oh, Corey Kluber sucks. He's washed. Wow, you're declaring it. He's done. He's done. He's He's washed. Okay, is he on the level of washness? Right? Uh Is he more cooked than say a Rich Hill? Uh. I haven't. I mean, the only time I've seen highlights of Rich Hill so far this year have been home runs allowed. I can't. Let's just call it Rich Hill of last year. Rich Hill has a 557 ERA with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I would venture to guess that Corey Kluber's is worse. Oh, definitely. But last year, like, if I told you Rich Hill's ERA last year was 427, you'd probably be a little surprised. Um, But it was similar, where like the FIP looks a lot. Kluber. 850. He has pitched 18 innings, given up 19 hits, 17 earned runs in 18 innings. He does have 17 strikeouts, which is kind of surprising. I feel like he's had low strikeout totals. Um, the whip is one and a half. Gross. Uh, he's allowed six fucking home runs, and he's walked eight. Like Corey Kluber. His whole thing before was like, I'm a master of pinpoint control. And if you're not that, then what are you? You're not uh, apparently like I'm, I'm blown away by those strikeout numbers that I've sat down and watched every single start. I don't recall being like, oh, wow, Corey Kluber seems like a guy that's averaging like a strikeout per inning. Doesn't feel that way. Uh, the walk total is surprisingly high. Uh, he's not missing bats. He's he's getting hit hard. Like I I don't have the numbers in front of me for what the average exit velocity is, but it can't be good, um, especially with the six home runs. So I don't know. I mean, I I tried to give him a pass on opening day because it was really shitty weather, and I I do sympathize with you know athletes that go out there and try to perform. And when, when it like you know I've seen people because I the the Steve video of Shohei out in the rain and everything. And I, plenty of people be like, oh, well, rugby, they go out in football, they go out and play in the rain. Like, yeah, they don't have to like, <laughs> grip a baseball and throw it 100 miles an hour. Like, it's fucking it's a different sport uh, when you're going out there trying to locate a fastball 
and you can't feel your fucking hands. Like that's why they blow into them. And that's why they have rosin to dry their hands. Like that's difficult. So on opening shout day, out I was Scherzer. Like, shout out to Scherzer. Uh, that's why on opening day, I gave Corey Kluber a pass. I was like, hey, listen, you know, it, it was a really shitty day. I went to the game, did not go outside. I stayed inside the whole time. I was at the game, did not go outside and sit in the seat. I'm a fucking pussy. Don't care. <laughs> but I, I've growing up. That was baseball in New England. You would start playing in March. It's 34. It's muggy. It's gross. Sometimes it rains. Guess what? You're still playing because it's it's, it's a Sunday doubleheader league and we ain't making these up and we're paying you like we're paying a fee to play in this league. Guess what? We're playing the fucking games. So it sucks. I, I have tried to play baseball in that weather. Not fun. I can't imagine trying to face the greatest hitters on the planet uh, in weather like that. So again, I give him a pass, but I have not given him a pass for the other slop ass starts that he's had. Um, has not impressed me. Not that I thought he was going to like at no point was I expecting a return to form for Corey Kluber. I was expecting an innings eater. I was expecting a guy that could go out there and at least give the Red Sox a chance to win. Uh, he doesn't go deep in starts. He, he gives up a lot of hard contact. He's walking guys, which is something that he's never really done before. Um, that's just not what he like. That's not Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber is not a fucking free pass guy. He's not a one and a half whip guy. Imagine how happy you are to be an opposing hitter when he starts you off 2-0 and and you know 88 is coming down the dick here because he needs to get it over the plate. Uh, you're going to get taken to the moon every friggin' time on that. And I, I think that's what it is. I do think when we talk about what this season has been, it's easy to act like he's sucked the whole time. He was bad in Baltimore. He was good against, or against Baltimore. He was good against Pittsburgh, right? That was the five innings, one run. We have the conversation on here whether they should have let him go deeper in that game. Like People were genu- genuinely upset. I think it's similar for the race start. Now he got tagged for four runs, but that was because Blyer came in and shit his pants. Like a lot of people thought he should have been left in that game to get that last out. And I thought if you're talking about his best start overall, I do think his stuff looked the best in Tampa. Now he gets absolutely destroyed by Minnesota. Yeah. Listen, for the guy who went from being one of the best at not giving up hard contact, 80th percentile last year in average exit velo, 75th percentile hard hit. Like, that's just not what he is. It's 41st percentile average exit velo this year, 22nd percentile hard hit percentage. Like, if he can't get guys to ground out softly over and over again, it's never going to work. It's the same as the Rich Hill thing. Dude, if you have to strike out everyone, it's never going to work. The stuff is not good enough at this point to get by on that. And where I look at Corey Kluber is you kind of pinned him as your Michael Walker replacement. And a lot of the metrics pointed to Kluber maybe being even better than Walker was. Feels like that's a mess for you, because I think if you kind of handle things differently with Michael Waka, you might have got more of a stable force that this rotation could have leaned on. And I think that stability, Kluber was supposed to bring stability like the Red Sox went out this offseason was like, yeah, we want to bring some stability to this rotation so other guys can fall into their place. Corey Kluber isn't stability. He isn't that right now. And I don't know if we're going to get a phantom IL stint, but it's going to be pretty hard to justify keeping him in the rotation over, you know, Tanner Houck after today, right? Like you look at Tanner Houck, you're like, damn, that, that's a guy who's clearly better than Kluber. Cutter Crawford's better than you. Uh, James Paxton, like he got rocked yesterday, but it's 97 from the left side. It's not 87 from the right. But you run into that same problem. It's like, do you want Corey Kluber in the bullpen? What is he going to tune no. it up to 89 for you? No. <laughs> like, like, it's fucking useless. If he's, if he's not 
if he's not going to be a passable starter, which I think was the expectation, like no one thought he was going to be a, like he was your opening day starter. He's not an opening day starter. He just, he's a veteran. He's got the experience. Fine. We put him in that spot. Uh, He's useless to you if he can't take the ball every fifth day and at least give you a chance to win. So I don't know what that means for his future. It is four starts. Uh, Where are you on Kluber? Are you out? I have a hard time justifying him being in the rotation. Like, I'm not going to say I'm out, but just based off the talent you have. And like, I don't like to walk far too far down this road because injuries happen. But when you have Tanner Houck and Cutter Crawford and James Paxson is all options over him. Yeah, it's going to be very hard for me to tell you I want Corey Kluber in that rotation. Now, that's when you get into this balancing act of like, all right, well, where will the bullpen be on May 1st once Chris Martin's back here? All right, there's a, you know, spots are running out. Props to Caleb Ort. I think he's earned his spot in this bullpen. Ryan Brazier. Yes, he fuck fucking out. has. Breathe. Yes, he breathe. Fucking has, Tyler. Uh, this is why I don't say anything Ort. nice. Caleb Ort, baby. The motherfucking truth of the Red Sox bullpen. Caleb Ort. I got the names. I got the numbers. His last six innings. One earned run, nine strikeouts, Tyler. Nine in his last six fucking innings. Oh, okay. God. Now, props to Caleb Ward. He's been doing his thing. He looked good today. He looks great every day, dude. Just break it in your head. Chris Sale, Whitlock, Bayo. They're going to be in the rotation no matter what. You don't have to think about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's say Nick Pavetta, right? He, he's a part of that mix. Rotation? I like that idea. No, we're not doing that. Why not? Um, <laughs> but like those are three guys you have locked in right there. You have another option in Pavetta. Depending on what they view it in Tanner Houck at this point, who I do think is changing the conversation about whether he should be just viewed as a reliever. There's just really not a justification for keeping him there. Now, you I may think- give him a couple more starts to see what happens, but eventually the stuff just isn't good enough to be on the staff. Like he's so far behind these other guys. How would you feel if Caleb or it was the opening day starter next season? I would never be a Red Sox fan. And I would, uh, I don't know. I'd stop watching baseball and I'd rip my own eyes out and step on them. I don't know why you have something against Caleb or I really don't. I, I would call the dolphin people and demand them to drown me to death. That was a great picture, by the way. It kind of looks like me, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of people were saying that there wasn't much Photoshop needed. Painful, but I agree. I do have a little dolphin to me. I, I do think I have some dolphinistic characteristics. Yeah. Who submitted that, Jake? That was Corey. Corey is an absolute pro. An he artist. Is, he is. He's the best to ever do it. Uh, we are very fortunate to have one of the best graphic designers in the world making graphics for this podcast and baseball is dead as well. His attention to detail is not appreciated enough. Like he will make graphics for both podcasts and he will think of the, the tiniest of details and have like Easter eggs in, in these photos. And I see them, I appreciate them and I let him know that, but he is a, he is a genius. He is the master of his craft. And that picture of Tyler Milliken as a dolphin person, it you go down and read the comments, everyone agrees. Horrifying, terrifying, nightmare fuel. 
I I was trying to think in my head, like it reminded me of a horror movie, but I I just didn't know what it it was like. Some it was demonic almost. Yeah, I was gonna tweet that photo. I mean, I retweeted it from the podcast account, but I was gonna tweet it today and say this is the last face that you see before you enter the seventh layer of hell. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, yeah, and I will say, suspended ten games. What'd you say? Max Scherzer officially suspended 10 games. That just came across. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I think circling back to the rotation conversation, it's just you're going to have to make hard decisions. And this is where it comes down to this front office where, you know, you're going to have to. Is it more about depth? Is it more about putting the best 26 man roster together? And are you willing to kind of admit some mistakes? Because if Corey Kluber isn't good enough to be in this rotation at 10 million, Say they just throw them in the bullpen and they say, you're going to eat these innings every time someone has a blow up. Okay, that's a bad use of 10 million when you were squeezing under the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jake, are you in or out on Corey Kluber? Uh, I'm out. That guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, who's if you could pick five right now, who are you yeah. putting in the rotation? Uh, Caleb Ort, one. Nope. Grow Chris up. Dale, two. Uh, Tanner Houck makes it for me. Um, Nick Pavetta makes it for me. Is that a hot take? It's an interesting one. I, I don't hate it because Whitlock, I think... Whitlock, Bayo? Is that fine? Yeah. Whitlock, Bayo, Sale. Pavetta. Pavetta. Can we be mature for a second? Can you I not be a fucking immature. child when it I comes think- to Caleb Ort? I think you're being immature by saying that he couldn't do it when you have a guy that throws 100 miles an hour that is capable of starting games. No, I was seeing 94 to 96 today, so clearly he, yeah, he was getting up. a little tired from this dude, usage. Act like you've watched baseball before. We have a very high standard for baseball knowledge on this podcast, and if you don't know the difference between a fastball and a changeup, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to look elsewhere. Oh, oh, so Caleb Ward's throwing 94 mile per hour changeups right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this a new weapon he unveiled to all of us today and I didn't know because I'm not in the Caleb Ort circle before we went on the air Tyler told us that he didn't learn how to tie his shoes until he was 17 years old that is not true that, that is fake news and I don't know why you're bringing this up that is what you um, said to us I didn't say 17 I said 7th grade which is worse and no it's not worse because yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize like you know Growing up, I was a kid. I struggled with the small things like the big Mm -hmm. things weren't that big of a problem, but the small things for one reason or another, I just, you know, it took me a long time to learn how to snap. And when it came to tying my shoes, I just I was embarrassed. I think I realized even at a young age that, you know, when you have to tell your parents to tie your shoes and you're 10 years old, like, how can they even look at you the same? Like you, you knew how to like do your taxes, but you didn't know how to tie your shoes. Yeah, I think at 10, I filed for my taxes for the first time. And uh, I think my shoes were untied when I walked into H&R Block that day. Okay. Tyler but, Velcro Milliken. No, I never wore Velcro because I wasn't, I was willing to own my failures. Okay. Who is, who's an example of someone that hasn't been able to own their failures? Hmm. Someone that hasn't been able to own their failures. You, Ryan Jared Carabas. I don't, I don't fail. The record says differently. I haven't picked a series correctly yet. That's a tough look for you. I'd rather I'd rather be an optimistic failure than an accurate fucking idiot like you. 
Oh, oh, okay. All right. Instead of being a, an accurate fucking idiot, I chose the high road the other day because Corey had reached out to me and he yeah. gave me a graphic, a graphic that spreaded a Jared Carabas lie. And out mm-hmm. of pure respect for you, out of pure, you know, I, I look at you and I would never want to hurt you like you hurt me regularly. What, what's the graphic? It, it was you saying Chris Sale sucks. I would never say that, though. Uh, just like I would never say Garrett Shitlock. And no one cut that. It. If you anyone said it. <laughs> If anyone fucking cuts that to make this a thing, oh I swear God. to God, I can't believe no. you just said it again. <laughs> There's gonna be some crazy edits. There's yeah, gonna be some wild edits. Why did you say that? Why'd you call? I him? don't know, but I, I did not. That's what you said. I called him, I but see. I had a Chris Sale graphic saying he's been terrible, and I held that punch out of respect for you. Well, even though you would not do the same for me, I have done the same for you. I haven't posted any graphics about you saying Garrett Garrett Shitlock. Uh, you've posted tweets. No, P- people have been saying it on Twitter. I don't, I don't jump in there. I think that that's below the belt. You I'm would know, guy. Are you since when? Forever. I have nothing but integrity. People actually on uh, the Section Ten Reddit, which you know, you, you always say that they that they hate you. They've been sticking up for you big time recently. Uh, in, honestly, I think it's because they've witnessed some bullying and um. For those who have stepped up and been strong, thank you. Um, I know some of you go by the Millican Militia, but you know the Millican Militia does not go down easy. No, the Millican Militia is is growing by the day. Honestly, I feel like people are we're, supporting you more than ever. We're trying, we're trying, and I do appreciate that. And you know, we will stand up to Jared. We will not let him uh, spread this fake news on a daily basis. I'm not doing that. I'm I'm putting you in a position to succeed on a daily basis. You're giving me my wings like a pilot. Yeah, I am. I'm ready to take flight. All right, we got to take a break and talk about Zinn Nicotine Pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn Nicotine Pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve lasting chains, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, every can of Zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zinn swag, even gift cards. Find your Zinn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's Zinn, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Are you ready to drizzle some ketchup? I think I fucking am. Play the song, baby.
The Clark's Ketchup Series MVP is brought to you by Clark's Ketchup. Drizzle that ketchup. Red Sox have now won another series, this time against the first place Minnesota Twins. Uh, what's that? Four series wins? Three series wins? Three? Four. We got Detroit, Tigers. Baltimore. Minnesota. Angels. Minnesota. Angel. Yeah, four. We've won more than we've lost. How are we 500? Because we get swept. Sweeps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Clark's Ketchup Series MVP for this series. Uh, I have an idea of where I want to go, but let's let's talk about some ketchup packets before we get into voting. Just throw some numbers out there. Jaron Duran played in all three games. He led the Red Sox with a 700 slugging percentage. Whew. Yeah. Reese McGuire. He only played in two games, but he had that big two-run knock uh, on uh, what fucking day is it? Thursday? So that was Tuesday? Tuesday. Yes. To tie it in the in the eighth inning? Was it? Uh, no, he tied it in the tenth. He had the catcher's interference in the eighth inning. Right? Yeah. Or did I just say that backwards? I think he, I no, think he had... He, yeah, no, it was the catcher's interference in the eighth inning, and in the tenth inning, it was uh, the two-run single that tied it. Yeah. Um, so Which, had, can I make a small note on Reese McGuire and Connor Wong? I saw some people were, you know, crying about Christian Vasquez this weekend. Yeah. You put out an incredible stat on Reese McGuire this morning that, like, absolutely blew my mind. <laughs> um, I don't know if you have it up, but for him to hit the way he hasn't, listen, there's a lot of bad bit luck. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't think it is. But him and Connor Wong have, felt, have become a decent platoon. Uh, I'm not worried about catcher right now. That is not a concern for me. Uh, since making his Red Sox debut on August 3rd of last summer, Reese McGuire leads the major leagues in batting average. He's hitting 354, and that's amongst the 292 players with at least 140 plate appearances. That sounds like the most fake stat I've ever heard in my entire life, and it's real. It's real. It is real. Um, Reese McGuire. Batting champion Reese McGuire. Obviously, he doesn't have the plate appearances to qualify for a batting title or like if you were to sort that statistic. So I had to I had to lower it to 140 plate appearances. But um, Jaron Duran hit 400 in this series. But leading the way, because I'm only including I'm only including um Guys that have played in all three games recently played in two. He only had six plate appearances. Uh, Kike Hernandez, 462. 462 to lead the Red Sox. Uh, the leader in on base percentage, also Kike Hernandez, got on base at a 500 clip. The leader in OPS for this series, Kike Hernandez, 1192. Hmm. Interesting. What about the leader in hits for this series? That would be Kike Hernandez with six. Five of which were singles, though. Five were singles. Home you run. You got to throw in the heads up play as well. Yep. The, the, the base running play in the eighth inning was, was clutch. He scored six runs in this series. No one else scored more than three. 
Verdugo's, Verdugo and Casas scored three runs. Kike scored six runs in this series. Six. No one else hit more than one home run. The home runs belong to Kike, Yu Chang, Alex Verdugo. The leader in RBI, Jaron Duran, drove in five runs this series. No one else had more than two. Reese McGuire, Rafael Devers, Yu Chang, Alex Verdugo, Connor Wong, Masataki Yoshida. They all had two. Um, extra base hits, Jaron Duran with three. Then you get Devers and Verdugo at two. Total bases. Kike Hernandez with nine. And then Alex Verdugo also had nine. Next up was Jaron Duran with seven. Whew. This is going to be tough because I'll be honest. Before we went through the numbers, I was going to vote for sale. I feel like I kind of have to vote for Kike here. And maybe I'm going to bring in Clark's Ketchup Series MVP expert, the expert hotline, Coley Mick. I, I think it's essential because I'm in a different space than you. You don't even have either one of those two guys. I do not. Wow. Okay. We also didn't mention Tanner Houck, which is fucking outlandish. Or Alex Verdugo. We did mention Alex Verdugo. Did we? What about him? Um, <laughs> do you want me to read you? The, I don't know why I don't fucking call you first so that like we don't have to go through the numbers a second time. Uh, uh-huh. Kike led in basically everything. I was going to vote for Chris Sale. And then I went through the numbers and Kike leads. Uh, he scored six runs. No one else scored more than three. Uh, he had the most total bases. He had uh, the most hits. He had the highest batting average. He had the highest on base percentage. Um, like Kike kind of clears and he played in all three games, which is a big factor for me. I was either going to go Kike or Chris Sale. Do you have either one of those guys or were you going a different direction? I think Alex Verdugo is someone that on Twitter, everyone's like, you know, we said, oh, Red Sox series win. And most people were saying, congratulations, Alex Verdugo, because he had the walk off. He had the homer today. Uh, where, what are you thinking for Clark's catch up series MVP? Verdugo had the, the funniest walk off of all time. Um, and then, like, they, they won the game on the like today. Truly, the, the Twins just died. Um, and then Durant was a sneaky couple, couple packet guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he killed Kenta Maeda, which was big. <laughs> yeah, and he's he caught that fly ball, which I've never seen him do before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know; it's hard to pick against Sale. Like that's that's the guy we haven't seen, and the Twins lineup stinks. But that's the guy we just haven't seen against anybody like since eighteen. I don't even I don't even try to be a dick, but like in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, People were like, that guy's dead, dead and gone. And he was like, sure ain't, pal. Uh, Houck, too. Houck, again, terrible lineup. But when was the last time he went into the seventh where never. like he also didn't enter never. in the seventh? Never. He's never got, um, That's his longest start of his career. Yeah, so like that's, that's crazy. I also think they may win game two as, as out of hand as it got if Devers just hit second instead of fourth. So I will, what's the opposite of catch up? Because that's what Cora gets for game two. Must I don't know what that was. Yeah, that was that was one of the stranger decisions I've seen. Did he, 
Did anyone even ask about that? Like, what was that? No, there are some pretty dumb questions asked after some of these games, but that one was not asked. Well, that would have been a good question. That's why, because I don't, I don't understand why our two hitter was hitting four. That had to have been the only time this year, right? Unless it was a game I just missed. I would imagine that was the only time. Yeah. Yeah, bad idea. Bad. Throw that one away. Throw that one in the idea pile with the guy who had the flickering lights idea. Both those guys can can eat it. Um. So I go. I go. Sale. Sale is your vote. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. This is bad. <sighs> Why is it bad? I haven't decided. Like it for me, it was between Kike and Sale. Originally, I was gonna go Sale. Uh, Verdugo, no matter what, deserves a big time catch a packet if he doesn't win the whole thing. He wa- uh, he walked you off. I, I think that game does feel a little differently if he didn't. And then today, the leadoff homer set the tone for the offense. Andy had the first hit of the big rally. That like yeah. was the inning you broke the game open and won it. Yeah. I, I think with Kike, while the hits are there, the biggest thing for me yeah. out of this whole series was really that play on the catcher's interference. But it was a lot of singles and stuff. I think Verdugo, I don't know, felt like he set the tone for the offense this series. Oh yeah, and Verdugo, let's not also like the was it the second run of the game on the the Devers double to left yeah. where he just takes off on the crack of the bat and barely scores. Like if he even hesitates for a second, he doesn't score there. How many times have you seen someone score from first on a double to left at Fenway? Like that's so rare. Mm. I'm telling you, if Verdugo doesn't walk it off in that moment, they lose that game. I, I was panicking after that ref Snyder double play. Now I'm shifting between Verdugo and um, now. I'm, yeah, because uh, I think like I didn't realize how good of a series that Kike had, which means that I don't like that's not MVP. Like Verdugo jumps out for his contributions and then Sale jumps out for the start that he had. What the fuck is going on over there? <laughs> Thank you for the mute. Uh, um, I wow. I think I, fuck. This I, is I respect the Sale. Like Sale would be my two if you were to ask me. I can only just not give it to him because it is only one game. And that breaks a rule for me. But I think if there's an exception, it is probably this one, right? Yeah, because like, it's a statement. Like it, that changed that changed the the vibe. Outlook on the home. team. Yes. That changes not like it's not even like the that changes the vibe for the 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 whole week moving forward. Oh man. Um I mean Verdugo walking it off and but I think I think if today's game were closer, I probably would go Verdugo. But because it wasn't because it was a blowout, I feel like I have to go sale. I feel like I have to go sale. I so that's two sale. That's two sale, and Jake and Tyler have yet to vote. Is anyone in on Valdez? No. <laughs> Why not? Hanging out in Worcester. He was electric. He was electric. Um, damn, Tyler, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the next vote. I'm gonna go Alex Verdugo. I'm gonna be the difference maker here. Um, okay. So that I think I'm throwing it up into Jake's hands here. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going Doogie as well. Wow! 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 Yeah. Oh, it's just like when we're for me when we're talking catch up, like it's just those big moments that like decide games and the leadoff homer and the walk off. Just on top of how hot he's been in general, like that's that's Doogie for me. Wow. Okay. What the fuck and do we do swore. now? He swore on Nesson too, which was big. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. That is two f bombs. That does have to be part of this equation. Yeah, that's our best post game interview in a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are we gonna do? Who the fuck do we ask? Call Verdugo. Do I ask Cora? It's not a bad idea. Oh yeah. Right. Ask Cora what, what that Devers situation. And ask him like how close to the sun is Kluber. We're <laughs> voting on the series MVP right now on the podcast, and the votes are even for Doogie and Sale. You're the deciding vote. I know his answer already. You don't even have to tell me. Again, I'm going to go, Jared, to your comments earlier about what he said about Sale postgame. Yeah, I think that's going to bleed through right now. I do. Yeah, I would, I, I would say he leans Sale or he goes, I lose my number. One of those two. <laughs> he would never do that. Yeah. Let's see. Has Cora ever helped with the Clark Sketchup MVP before? Whoa! 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 Wow! Let's go! Wow! Alex Verdugo! Alex Cora with the deciding vote! Alex Verdugo, Clark's Ketchup Series MVP, your manager. Wow, I did not see that coming. Did not see it. Wow. Damn. He That's said, Alex Bias. <laughs> he, he, said, <laughs> he said, Doogie, big swing today. Wow. 1 0 socks. Wow. It's deserved. And I'm telling you, that homer he hit today is exactly what Core was telling him. Like, Bro, you do not have to aim for homers. If you just trust your approach, you're going to walk into them. Wasn't launched, wasn't over the bullpen. Just boom. Right field, pull the ball, hook it. That's it. Yeah. Um, well, all right, Coley. Thank you for your vote. Uh, we lost. It's okay, though. That was, that was, that was thrilling. Yeah, I mean, sale, I'm just happy sales finally getting positive recognition. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, all right, go be a dad. Do you still have COVID? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the whole house. <laughs> the whole house. Feel right, better. You, go. you enjoy that. Thanks, pal. See you, pal. That's Coley Mick. Father of the year. Um, Cora didn't even think about that. No, he didn't. He, he, <laughs> he was like, doogie. <laughs> he, was waiting for, he was waiting for the call. I mean, at least now we know if if there's ever a split vote that Alex Cora will just tell you. <laughs> with, with Matt Barnes being our guy last year, we now need somebody we can lean on here. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't even question it. He didn't even question it. He was just like, dude. That's why he's the manager. Yeah, that might be the most legit Clark's Ketchup Series MVP that we've ever decided on. I think Cora did drop the quote the other day. Alex Verdugo is becoming a guy. Ooh. He's a guy. He is a guy. 
What's his wins above replacement? I know that's like it's too early to be looking at that, but is he like a full win yet? He's got to be. Let me see. I will say, Jared, it is so good to see you synced back up again. For whatever reason, my call has been messed up, and I have had no idea when you stopped talking or started talking for well over an hour. Something's going on with like my internet per usual, but I'm going to go. Okay. Ahead. Would you like to take a guess, or do you just want the number? I'm going to say his... Are you looking at fan graphs? Yes. His F4 is 0.8. Oh my God, you nailed it right on the dot. It is 0.8. Holy like shit. I get paid the big bucks, dog. Do you want the the B war as well? No, it's probably 0.6. Okay. Uh, it's 0.1 higher, 0.9. Oh, okay. Cool. But I believe both of these are going into today. So I'm just going to round it out and call it one. He's a one win player right now. Love that. Um. Okay, I like that. I need. I, I've I've now decided that we need a uh, stop and shop look ahead jingle. I don't need a whole song. Is this going to be a project out of you, or are you hoping for someone to create this? Maybe I, I feel like your yeah your creative juices. There was a lot released for that for that project you put out. Yeah, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Do you have the raw recording of your vocals? <laughs> probably. Now, you're old, so you probably don't get this, but like Playboy Cardi, when he drops music, they release who his ad libs. What the fuck is that? Oh, you don't know who Playboy Cardi is? No. This is your biggest old man moment of all time. No, um, I've he, always just not been in tune with pop culture. Okay, he's a rapper, but he, you know, he's known for his ad libs and he kind of does different voices. And if you play it without the beat, it sounds really weird. Yeet's another one of those guys. You, I need to hear it. I want to hear the raw vocals at some point. <laughs> yeah, I can probably find those. Please. <laughs> That'd actually be really funny to just have like the raw vocal of me screaming ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> I, that should be the last one of the regular season this year. Yeah, just drop a ketchup. Yeah. So by the way, the, the last line in the song, people were like, what are you saying? And I, it's, I'm saying drizzle it. I heard that. I didn't have a problem yeah. hearing it. Yeah. People were like, what are you saying? Like, it's like. It's like when you have to be a certain like level of smart to understand music. I guess if you don't know Clark's ketchup like that, then maybe you wouldn't know what they're saying. But the Clark's never been ketchup, drizzled before. Yeah. Congratulations to Alex Verdugo on being uh that's his first Clark's Ketchup Series MVP this year? Definitely. Has to be. Devers has two. Duval Duval has, has one. one. Now Verdugo. Alex Verdugo. I'm trying to find that clip. It's gotta be in here somewhere. I know I have it somewhere. The F bombs? Oh yeah, here it is. Right here. I go ahead. <laughs> What's going through your mind as they're taking time to really evaluate that play again? Please be fucking fair. Oh, my bad. But please be fair, man. I was like, I just didn't want to pull one and, and fucking. Uh, I didn't want. I, We're live, Alex. Sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I didn't want to. I didn't want to roll over, you know. And fucking. Uh, <laughs> that's that's just how people talk. That's just how people talk around here. Jamai looked very nervous when Verdugo dropped the first one, and then the second one, I felt kind of bad for. 
like I well, I needed it. It gave me like you know that feeling. But Nessa's had a, a rough week or so. Just not their fault. But Kike dropping an f bomb on TV. Alex Verdugo dropping a couple f bombs. I feel like there's been more this season than in any years past. And the fucking uh, like, <laughs> you talk to anyone from Dorchester. That's just like how they talk. And you know, the <laughs> fucking, fucking. What's going through your mind as they're taking time to really evaluate that play again? Please be fucking fair. Oh, my bad. But please be fair, man. I was like, I just didn't want to pull one and, and fucking. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want. I didn't We're live, want, Alex. So I'm going to pull one and fucking, uh, you know, fucking. <laughs> he has truly embraced the city and. Very few players do that, like overall and become like, like I look at Alex Verdugo, I'm like, this dude has to be from Boston. He's just become Boston. Yeah, I love him. I love me some Doogie. Stench and talk, baby. Yeah, get it done. Get it done. I mean, I, I like the fact that he's got a fire now, too. So, um, but yeah, want, want Alex Verdugo around for a while. Uh, the stop and chop look ahead. But before we do that, baseball is in full swing and there are games on all day, every day. When I'm watching all the games and recording all these podcasts every week, it can be tough to get a handle on it all. But thanks to the Xfinity 10G network, I can stay on top of everything. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire house full of devices with ultra low lag. So you and everyone that you know can stream every single game at the same time and never miss a pitch. And if you're on the go, Xfinity has your back with millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. And thank you to whoever in sales got us an updated ad read, even though I'll I'll miss I'll miss doing the March Madness uh ad read in April and just shouting out a random college every single time. I will miss doing that. I might still do that. I might still do that. That's a fun bit. I love a good bit. Um, Stop a Shop Look Ahead, brought to you by Stop a Shop. Use the promo code Section 10 to get 10% off your tangerines. 10 cents off your tangerines. Each tangerine, when you buy up to five pounds of tangerines, only at Stop and Shop. Nick Pavetta versus Freddie Peralta. Uh, Garrett Whitlock versus Wade Miley. Shout out to Pete. Fucking love Wade <laughs> Miley. And then Brian Bayo versus Corbin Burns in the series finale, which, by the way, is a 2-10 start. You got 8-10 in the opener uh, tomorrow. You get 7-10, and then you get 2-10. Three different start times. Love that. Fucking hate day games. What? Oh, it's because it's Sunday, right? Tomorrow's Friday? Yeah. Yes. Freddie Peralta, 2-1 and one with a 3-18 ERA, a 129 whip, and a 10.1 strikeouts per nine. By the way, the Brewers are 14-5 and five this year. Surprisingly. It was a very good Brewers team that we're running up against. Um, he was hurt pretty much all of last year. Uh, came back, started a little bit, but he was he was more or less an opener, going two to three innings at a time. He's back to uh, full strength, averaging 95 pitches a start this year. Uh, he did suck against the Padres. Five innings, nine hits, five earned runs, one homer, took the L. His other two starts were against the Mets and the Cardinals. 12 innings, one earned run with 14 strikeouts, no home runs allowed. He's very nasty. Uh, he's seeing a velocity jump this season. He's averaging 94.6 miles per hour in the four seams. The previous career high was 93.6 in 2019. Uh, last year, he was at 92.6. So the fastball velocity very much is up. Uh, fastball 
six for 31, zero extra base hits, a 260 weighted on base average, has between 28, 30% whiff rate on his three secondary pitches, which are a slider change curve. Brewers are two and one in his starts. Um, the Red Sox have decent numbers against them, but of the guys that are actually here, two for nine with three strikeouts. Then we have Wade Miley, who is still doing it. Still doing it. He's two and one with a 150 ERA, an 094 whip, and a seven strikeouts per nine, even. Um, after the season he had with the Red Sox, like, I mean, Pete might have been the only person that still followed his career. Oh, I'm a Wade Miley guy. Throw me You're right in there. Dude, I have a Wade Miley like Cincinnati Reds t-shirt. So you consider yourself a Wade Miley guy? Yeah. Yeah. I like Wade Miley. I, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself like... I, that's Pete's thing, so I can never go over the top for Wade Miley. But I'm a supporter. I, I like to see him doing well. I, I it, it always tickles me when I see that he's still in the league. I remember when I, in 2019, I walked into the Astros clubhouse and Wade Miley was sitting there. And I was like, holy shit, Wade Miley. I <laughs> <laughs> like, just didn't, didn't think to see him sitting in there. Um, so historically, he's either had a very good year or a very bad year. This looks like a very good year, which is, which is great for Wade Miley enthusiasts across, across the globe. He's only allowed three runs all year. They all came in the same start against the D-backs, which I believe is another team that he pitched for. Uh, his other two starts were against the Padres and Mets, two really good offenses, and you had 13 innings, uh, nine hits, zero earned runs, did not walk a batter, and struck out 11. Uh, loves his cutter, 36% usage, um, but it's not that great. 316 batting average, uh, 344 expected batting, uh, 690 expected slug. So he's got the change-up four-seam slider that he combines to use 60% of the time. Hitters are uh, six for 48, only one extra base hit, which is a double. Um, so you kind of want to hunt the, the cutter. The Brewers are two and one when he pitches. Red Sox, 288, 356 with a 780 OPS against them. So the home runs, those belong to Story and Duvall. That does not help us. But Rob Ref Snyder, the lefty slayer, Four for seven, a double, two walks, and a thirteen eighty one OPS. Uh, Corbin Burns. This is weird. Like I know that there was an injury, there was some preseason drama. He's two and one with a four seventy six ERA, a one oh six WHIP, and a six point eight strikeouts per nine. So you look at the record, good ERA, bad WHIP, good strikeouts per nine, bad. It's weird. Strikeouts are down big time. Uh, ten point eight last year, and he actually peaked. <laughs> at 13.3 strikeouts per nine in 2020. And now he's down to 6.8. Very, very strange. He's lost a full mile per hour on his cutter, which is now 94 compared to 95 last year. Uh, hitters still can't hit it. It's 195 batting average, 268 slug. Um, 95th percent in whiff rate last year. He's walking guys. Three starts with two plus walks this year. Uh, he had the one dominant start against the D-backs. That was eight innings, eight strikeouts, shutout. Uh, every other start, he topped out at three strikeouts. Very, very strange. Nonetheless, the Brewers are three and one in games that he has started. Uh, Justin Turner, two for 10, but the, those two hits are a double and a home run. So 
that's that. I don't know. Very, uh, it's very strange with uh, what's going on with Corbin Burns, but that is Brian Bayo going out. Tough draw, tough couple draws for Brian Bayo. You got Shohei Otani <laughs> and Corbin Burns in your first two starts of the year, but um, yeah, Nick Pavetta versus Freddie Peralta, Garrett Whitlock versus Wade Miley, and Brian Bayo versus Corbin Burns. Uh, the Brewers have really good pitching again, and um, again, that is a fourteen and five NL Central team. So, uh, yeah. Let's uh let's kick it to the panel for some predictions. Tyler, you you're the reigning champ. What do you got? Thank you. Um if you asked me 24 hours ago, I was kind of thinking in my head, I was like, oh, do I think they could take two out of three? Like the Brewers just went and absolutely kicked the Mariners' teeth in with a sweep. But I think the Mariners a little don't bit score runs do- though. And that's what I think. I think the Red Sox offense, despite some of their shortcomings, I think they're starting to really cook here. I think there's something going with Jaron Duran being inserted in and kind of providing a spark in that way. I think the Red Sox go in and take two out of three. I think we're going to see three straight series wins. This team finally giving themselves a little breathing room. And overall, Nick Pavetta's due for a good start. Got smacked up last time out. I think Garrett Whitlock should be solid and he's going up against Wade Miley. That feels like the kind of guy the Red Sox should be able to hit a little bit. And Corbin Burns, if it's, if the stuff hasn't been that great this year and the FIP isn't that good either, it's right around where the ERA is as well because of the lack of strikeouts. Brian Bayo is due for a bounce back. I think a Whitlock-esque bounce back from his first start to his second. So put me down for two or for two out of three. We saw the Red Sox just do what they did against the Twins and they were coming up riding high and all these things going right. I think the Red Sox stay strong and continue to build some nice momentum. Jake? Uh, to me, this feels like a classic Red Sox sweep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could see it. There's definitely the characteristics of a Red Sox sweep brewing in, in this one. No pun intended. No pun intended. So I could see you going sweep there. I could see it. Uh, oh, man. I don't get negative back. Jared. No. No, because I, I think that they'll handle Corbin Burns. Uh, I think. Who takes the L? If, it's probably going to be the Red Sox pen if they do take an L in this series. I don't hate that take. That'd probably be where I put it, too, because I, I think you're starting to see there's some spots there where they don't really have anyone to to go to. Yeah, I, I think I think they take the first two and, and lose the Bayo start, but I think it's going to be the pen. Like, I, I like Pavetta against this lineup. I like the Red Sox. See, I mean, they've seen nothing but lefties. So I, I think that they get to Miley and Whitlock kind of continues to progress. And I can see Bayo giving up a few, but like Corbin Burns gives up a few and then the Red Sox uh, bullpen maybe falters in the finale. So I like two out of three taking the first two. I don't think it's crazy like with Cutter and we'll see when he's kind of available to let it loose again. But, you know, you get him probably for one opportunity in the series and then you're playing with the six man bullpen the other days. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, that's a wrap on the Minnesota Twins. Looking forward to some Brew Crew baseball this weekend. Love Brewers fans. They're always super nice. I wish I was that's there. your NL team. Mm-hmm. I wish I was down there. It's a great ballpark. Great fan base. 
a uh, great group of guys in that clubhouse. So it'd be a fun weekend of baseball. Uh, Jake's takes. Do you th- uh, shout out Lou Merloni. I think um, that's probably like five or six games in the booth for him. But I mean, he's just, he's been awesome. Um, it's not surprising because like, he's obviously a great baseball mind. We've had him on the pod a lot, but I mean, I, I've just been loving him in the booth so far. He's great. He has the perfect balance of analysis, knowledge, sense of humor, energy, and rooting interest, which I have harped on for years now is very important to a regional broadcast. Lou's crushing it. I hope uh, he gets to a point where he's doing many more games. So, Tyler, final thoughts? I hope Christian Yelich is okay seeing the team he was supposed to end up on this offseason and the emotions don't overcome him, you know, after basically in his head being a Boston Red Sox at one point. He might uh, he might demand a trade by Saturday afternoon. Don't know. There's room. Well, he's going to have to hit righty, but there's room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. All right. Uh, another series win for the Red Sox. Suck on it. So we'll see you on Sunday. Buenas noches, amigos.